It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins. Want to thank everyone for having us locked in this afternoon. And you can always download the free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device that you have so you can correspond with us here on the WNSP app. We love when you give us your comments and your concerns and your questions about the topics that we're covering here on the final drive or on the opening kickoff. And, of course, we always have you covered on Friday nights with all of the high school football scores from the Mobile, Baldwin County areas along with statewide scores as well that you can give us information to because sometimes there's games we're looking for scores on. You can find them right here on the Sound of Mobile app if you download that free app. And Nick Wiggins, it's a great way to, if you don't like to call us the old-fashioned way at 251-694-1055, you can always correspond with us in the app. That's right. Maybe you're shy. Maybe you're eating and your mouth is full, so you don't want to speak on air. I totally get that. So, But, hey, we got a great show today, don't we, Corey? We're going to be talking with George Teague. We're going to get Teague's take on that Alabama Ole Miss. What happened with those Arizona Cardinals to those Dallas Cowboys? We're going to talk with Richie Riley. We broke some pretty big NBA news uh, to Richie, so that'll be good. I mean, it's... It's a great show. One of, one of our best. Well, I, I know that Jordan Foote, he'll give us a little Taylor Swift, Kelsey insider information. Oh, Let yeah. us know how Kadarius Tony has bounced back from that opening game debacle that he had against the Detroit Lions. And That's right. is Kansas City the best NFL team so far through the first three weeks of NFL football? And We'll talk to Jordan Foote about that. And also, we'll be talking to Aaron James. Aaron James is the head football coach at Tuskegee University. And why is that important? It's because Aaron James is a local product, folks. He prepped for Ben Harris at Blunt High School, has paid his dues to the coaching ranks, and has, in his first year, the Tuskegee Tigers 4-0. and in conference play undefeated so a 4-0 start for Aaron James the third best start in school history right up the road and he has a couple of guys that will know their names as his assistant coaches helping him out to get to that 4-0 start so a great show scheduled for you and what do we want to kick it off with man or tip it off with I'll let you you, pick you you definitely you you can always tee it off with the Auburn Tigers. Okay. And Auburn's quarterback problems have been known. Peyton Thorne, is he the answer against the Georgia Bulldogs? No. So if he's not the answer versus the Georgia Bulldogs, is Robbie Ashford the answer versus the Georgia Bulldogs? I don't know if this is uh, 
I think the question that they're looking for answer for, I don't think they have the answer, at least for this hard of a test being Georgia. I mean, wouldn't you agree? There's no one on that roster that can line up at quarterback that can generate a win for Auburn this Saturday. Am I being pessimistic? Well, I will say this. I I think they had a better chance of beating Texas A&M than they do of beating the Georgia Bulldogs. I agree. That That is for sure. And Auburn plays three quarterbacks versus Texas A&M this weekend. And Holden Garner, do Auburn fans or does the Auburn coaching staff have enough confidence in him to turn over the reins to him as a starting quarterback? Because Hugh Freeze, even though today's his birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Hugh. Not a lot to get excited and to celebrate in regards to coming off of trying to find out and take the blame and the responsibility of the quarterback play so far for the Auburn Tigers. And I know Holden, he's just a freshman. So being a freshman, Robbie Ashford probably has the most SEC experience. But is he the answer? The way that Tommy Reese at Alabama is having to kind of cater and change the Alabama offense to the strengths of the quarterback. A lot of people in the app yesterday were saying, look, abandon ship with what you're doing this year and go with more RPOs. Go to what works for your quarterbacks and your personnel. See, I I just think that's easy for fans and uh, listeners and even people like us to say. But how realistic is it that you can just completely redo and recraft your offensive scheme in just a week-to-week time frame? I think that's that's uh, a lot, and I don't. I think that Auburn, yes, they just lost to Texas A&M, but I mean, we predicted that they were going to lose. They were expected to lose. They're still three and one. We know how tough these games are going to be. Like nothing's going to look good. I feel like just. Keep doing what you're doing. Win your seven games, six, seven games, and call it a year, and then now you know what to really focus on in the off season. I mean, what, you think they need to just say, Peyton Thorne, get out of here, we're done with you? No, I, I don't think that that can be the attitude that they have. I just think that Peyton Thorne, he's not trusting the system. He's not trusting himself. He's not making the reads. But through three weeks of football, At no point in time, I knew Alabama and Auburn were mirroring one another in regards to not knowing who their starting quarterback was going to be, even though Hugh Freeze named a starting quarterback a whole heck of a lot earlier than Nick Saban did because Nick Saban, he, he, he withheld the depth chart from everybody knowing who he wanted to go with. It wasn't a matter of him not knowing who his gut feeling was going to put in, but at this point in time, Auburn, 3-1, and one, a month of college football in, and you still – do I think Peyton Thorne grasps the offense that is being run? Yes. I just – I don't know why he's struggling because coming from Michigan State, it's not like they didn't play Penn State. It's not like they didn't play against Ohio State. It's not like they didn't play against quality and tough competition, and he wasn't in tough environments – His receivers may have been even better at Michigan State than they are at Auburn, 
But when you're not making the reads and you do have the Auburn wide receivers wide open and you're not hitting them, that's when it becomes a problem for Auburn. Yeah. And I think that's where the coaching staff has to step in. Now, going back to what Milro has been able to do, you look, and when we were talking with Scott Hunter yesterday on the Chavis Furniture Talking Football segment, he admitted as a former quarterback the adjustments that Tommy Reese made made Milrow a lot more comfortable, especially in the opening series, in the opening drive. So it's not like Alabama abandoned the fact that they still wanted to run the football because I think that's what Auburn still wants to do. You ask Kirby Smart the biggest differences or the similarities between when Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss he had those stud wide receivers that he would throw to and want to go to first versus run the football. Not the case at Auburn. He's got big backs that he can try to go to and run the football to set up the pass. Do I think that's going to be his final formula for success at Auburn? I don't. I think he's going to get people like a Perry Uno Thompson in. That's why you recruit a five-star wide receiver. That's why you go after these high-profile wide receivers. But you still, you can have a 10-star athlete out there. If you don't have a quarterback that can make the reads and get you the football, it's not going to matter. But you have to complete more than six passes in the SEC to win football games, Nick. That's right. We can't be having those Justin Fields performances and expecting W's, right? You see how crazy Chicago's going, uh, watching him throw for like 90 yards in a game where they got blown out, where you're supposed to throw the ball. Look, Auburn, do they put in the younger guy and just try and get some experience for next year? I think it's a little too early to just, after one game, one loss, pack up everything and say, ah, oh, it's all crab, it ain't working. Let's just let's just punt this year and just put in all the young guys and hopefully they'll get better for next year. No, it's too early for that. We knew this was going to happen. We knew they were about to drop these three games in a row. So let's just see what they can do after these weeks. So Auburn guys, fans, it's going to be tough here uh, for the next couple weeks, but hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I know that there is no light at the end of the tunnel for former head coach at Michigan State, Mel Tucker. Oh, what's going on with him now? Well, Michigan State has officially fired Mel Tucker for cause, and that is one hefty price tag costing him nearly $79 million remaining on his contract. And because they are going to fire him for cause – you know what they owe him? What's that? Absolutely oh, nothing. Oh, wow. Absolutely wow. nothing. Wow. And they want to go ahead. You know he's going to counter sue and say, I need to collect my coins. That's right. But I mean, you have to. And it's not a matter. I mean, you're looking at over a $10 million a year worth of coins he's trying to collect. But for just cause, that's the key. And that leaves this Michigan State program in a conference that's already changing and evolving. It's already being dominated by Michigan and Ohio State. Bringing in an interim coach who formerly coached you, does that help the Spartans at all? Or does that put them further behind the eight ball? 
I don't know, man. It's it's a it's a tough situation, right? I mean, uh, I mean, you just hope they're gonna adapt to it. Is this season a wash? I honestly don't even know what Michigan State's record is this year. What is it? They're not that good. Okay. Well, this season's a wash then. They 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 beat Central Michigan, the Chippewas. All right. Well, they, they, they beat Central Michigan and South Alabama lost. Yes. Yeah. Look, maybe this. You know, it's the opposite of maybe what I was saying against uh, about the Auburn team. Maybe now all of a sudden you are just looking to next year because of how chaotic all this is going on. And you see what these young guys got. You see what the guys got that are going to be on your roster next year and that you hope don't transfer out and you hope that stay there. It's going to be tough for Michigan State football fans. At two least and basketball, y'all are still good. Two and two. I, I know that that part is tough for them to go ahead and, and get over that hump. And they're going to be taking on Iowa, who was, as of last week, ranked in the top 25. And now Iowa's 3-1 and one before that loss. But 2-2 two and two definitely is not going to get it done. And I know that Mel Tucker is one of those coaches that when you're looking at $70 million, $79 million, it, it kind of made you wonder, when they went ahead and extended his contract about two years ago and gave him basically the keys to the kingdom, why did Michigan State do that? Because Michigan State, have you seen them in the college football playoffs under the Mel Tucker era? No. I mean, did they have just like an amazingly good record the year that they That's they what in it like takes. Uh, and something? sometimes all it takes is that one buzz year. That one buzz year to go ahead and reinvigorate or, or give them some type of hope for the future. But having somebody extended to 10 years, that's pretty much unheard of and unprecedented uh, when you go to looking at the way things are being done. The final drive on WNSP 105.5, Corey Bounty and Nick Wiggins. Plenty of NFL talk going on. Plenty of NBA talk as well. Breaking news in the NBA, of course. Dame Lillard. Yep. He gone. Dame time is now game time in Milwaukee. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Being with Giannis. That's huge. We'll talk about that and more on the other side of the final drive. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive, and if you don't have plans this Saturday to watch the Mississippi State game, you got to come out to the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis Street. Me and Michael Bronner, I know, are going to be there. We're going to give away an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault at halftime, so you don't want to miss that. You can also walk out with a free WNSP t-shirt. You just got to show up. They got some great drink specials as well. You can get a $3 Sweetwater Lager, $2.50 Miller Lights, $3 Bama Shots. They got the big old patio area that looks awesome with the projector screen, so you can't miss it. We'll have the big bus parked out there, so come on out. Saturday night, watch that Mississippi State-Alabama game with us. Should be a good time because it should be an easy win for the Crimson Tide. We'll see how Alabama does do, and... The big news in college football today outside of you look at Mel Tucker being fired, Texas A&M 
lost their starting quarterback for the rest of the season wow. with the foot injury. So that at first you saw him limp off the field and hold his ankle, but he does have a broken bone, that being Connor Wegman. And wow. that's huge yes. when you look at what they're trying to do. Now, Max Johnson, plenty of SEC experience underneath his belt, plenty of versatility coming from LSU and starting 14 games for LSU during the 20 and 21 season before having an opportunity to start three games for Texas A&M a year ago. Man, does that not change the odds to me, even though you look at what Max Johnson was able to come in and do, throw a touchdown to his brother in that game versus Auburn or brother-to-brother combination, that could be something that we see a lot more of. But quarterbacks coach or offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino and Damian Craig are going to have their hands full when it comes down to having Texas A&M now be at that elite level because it's one thing to be named a starter. It's another thing to lose your position due to injury. And yeah. to me, if you're the best, Jimbo and Bobby Petrino were going to put the best quarterback to begin the season out That's there right. for Texas well, A&M. And he has been. I mean, the guy has had a great start to the season. He's thrown for 300 yards a game. The guy looked elite. So that's really unfortunate for Texas A&M. And, you know, you, you got Alabama coming out there. That makes that game a little easier for y'all. But it's just tough when you have the your main guy. You know, we see so many QB1s getting subbed out and other quarterbacks subbed in because of their play. It just is unfortunate to see this happen, not due to play, but due to an injury. I mean, he comes in and throws two touchdowns. Max Johnson does. So it's not like, again, he, he doesn't have experience, but Texas A&M facing Arkansas at A&T, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, right around 11 o'clock kickoff for the SEC Network. Three teams, if you had to look at front runners to win the SEC West, one of them definitely being Alabama favored by the media to win the SEC West. LSU closing that gap at a close second, and they're the defending Western Division champions. And A&M, Jimbo, promised championships but hasn't even won the division yet and going to divisionless football moving forward I, I just I don't know where this and what this does do for your morale if you're Texas A&M it is that next man up at least you do have a quarterback who's not wet behind the ears and does have a lot of SEC experience but Arkansas is hungry they're coming off that brutal loss to BYU they're coming off that brutal loss to LSU in the battle for the boot and to me that does change like you mentioned here in a couple of weeks with them having a chance to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide at home Max Johnson here if he's able to string him two and a half victories together meaning the half that he played against Auburn and then you're able to defeat Arkansas and Alabama at home, man, what kind of story could that wind up being in the SEC? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting stuff, wild stuff. 
like I said, you hate to see someone get hurt, but I guess it is good that you did get to see a little bit of a preview with the backup Texas A&M quarterback in that Auburn game, and he looked pretty good. So, we'll see. Greg Brooks also from LSU having that brain tumor removed. Coach Kelly chimed in on that and said, look, it was a large brain tumor. And he said that, you know, Greg is one of those fighters and will continue to fight for that. But definitely it's not a fast process anytime you're having brain surgery or especially a large tumor removed. But I'm just glad that they were able to catch it in a situation to where he at least has a chance. And if you're playing football, you know the type of competitor that Greg Brooks is coming from Arkansas, and they honored him by wearing his decal on both Arkansas and LSU's helmet. But you would like to see him be able to come back and have quality of life. It's outside. It's more. It's bigger than football for Greg Brooks. That's right. That's right. The final drive will continue to talk college football when we get back. Aaron James will be coming and talking with us, scheduled to join us, the head football coach of the Tuskegee University Tigers. Aaron James played for Ben Harris, and having a chance to talk to Aaron, the success that Tuskegee's having so far this season, he's on the only third coach in the history of the school to start off 4-0. So we love to talk to our local guys. Aaron James joins us next here on The Final Drive. Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this hump day, Wednesday edition. And make sure you download the free Sound of Mobile app so you can correspond with us in the app or you can give us a call. 251-694-1055 is how you can join us. And at the beginning of this year, Aaron James was named as the new head football coach at Tuskegee University. And you do look at Aaron James having prepped at Blunt High School, and he is a Tuskegee alum and now has the Tuskegee football program off to a 4-0 and start. Aaron James joins us here on the final drive. Coach, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. Hey, good afternoon as well to y'all. Coach, you, you've got off to a rock-solid start as the head football coach at your alma mater. You opened it in the Red Tails Classic with the 37-31 win in the Crampton Bowl over Fort Valley State, and you guys beat Kentucky State, Central State, and last week at home in Tuskegee in two overtimes. Two overtimes, Coach. You guys were able to defeat Lane College. And coming up this Saturday, you guys are going to play against the big boys, Alabama A&M, at Lewis Cruz Stadium in Huntsville, Alabama, 2 o'clock p.m. But talk about that 4-0 start, Coach. 
Oh, uh, I mean, it's it's, it's an amazing feeling. Uh, the guys really turned turned everything around from from the camp practices and everything, and coming out with their with their first victory versus Fort Valley. Uh, you know, with the defense had the back against the wall, and just to be able to stop those guys on a three yard line for four, actually five plays. Uh, it's an amazing feeling to be four and zero right now. Well, let's talk about some of the names that are on your roster and on your coaching staff that a lot of people here locally who love to watch high school football will be familiar with. I know you do have a former Mr. Football helping you out there at Tuskegee. Yes, yes. My old teammate, DeMarco McNeil, uh, played with me at Blunt High School. Got him on my staff, coaching the D-line. He's doing an amazing job. Very happy to have him on my on my team. And are there some Mobile, Alabama, other connections that are contributing to your team? Because one of the things that you've done, Mobile and Baldwin County, I know you hit them tremendously hard. The portal is always a great place. But anytime you get a chance to, to get local guys, hashtag 251, I always love to let our listeners know where our local guys are playing. Yes, we uh, last year we ended up signing Brendan May Jordan. Uh, receive out of Vizer High School, and we got running back Johnny Morris that that's doing an excellent job for us. Played at Spanish Fort High School, um, so and actually my tight ends coach he's from Mobile as well. Um, Chris, I mean not well Chris Samuel's brother, Coach Samuel's, he's from uh, Mobile. Played at Shaw High School back in the days. So uh, we got like I said, we're gonna we're gonna hit hit the city hard this year on the recruiting trail and just try to you know get. Uh, tapping back into the Port City. Well, we know that here in a couple of weeks, Alabama A&M will be making their presence known as they come to Mobile and play against Jackson State, but not before having an opportunity to play against you guys. Talk about this matchup upcoming 2 o'clock p.m. this Saturday, getting a chance to play a team out of the swag such as Alabama A&M and what it means from a rivalry standpoint. I mean, like you say, it's a rivalry. And um, when I was back in, in, you know, back in the days when I played here at Tuskegee, it was just another team for us. You know, we didn't care about the swag. And um, that's what I'm just, you know, saying, trying to get these young men to understand. I mean, they put they, they pants on just like we do. So I know they're going to be big up front. They look big up front, you know, on both sides of the ball. But we just got to come out and just play our style of football and um, just finish up with a victory. I know that when you have the type of recognition that you have getting off to that 4-0 start, a lot of your defensive and offensive accolades are there for you. Talk about some of the players that are being recognized as SIAC, either offensive or defensive players of the week. Yes, uh, my receiver, Antonio Meeks, he, he had an injury the third game of the season, but he's he's one of the – one of the, uh, but actually, he's leading the conference in receiving yards and catches. Um, uh, line middle linebacker Vincent Hill. He was just this week's past, well, this past week's uh, defensive player of the week. He was also the preseason All Conference first team. So him on the defensive side, and then you got quarterback Bryson Williams. Uh, he's doing a very good job for us. He'll be back for us this week. And then you got another linebacker Malik. Malik um, Moore, which is um, doing a, a good job. And actually, I've got a, a cornerback. He's a local guy here 
in the Tuskegee area. He's leading the way. He actually tied um, in the conference for his interceptions with three. So we got a, we got some more guys, you know, um, that I can talk about. But we're doing a tremendous job on both sides of the ball, and actually in, in the um, special teams area as well. We're talking to Aaron James, head football coach at Tuskegee University. Coach, when you actually took the field for the first time, you get promoted from becoming offensive coordinator a year ago for Tuskegee. But when you took the field as the head coach in the Red Tails Classic to begin the season on September 3rd, what did that feeling, what was it like you imagined becoming the head coach of your alma mater? Yes, it was. It was. It was. Um, it was everything I imagined. But you know, it was. It was just more on my plate. But after that first victory, you know, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders, and you know, I was able to move a little different. But uh, other than that, I mean, it was an amazing feeling just knowing that I'm leading my alma mater where I played at back in the days. You know, uh, leading these young men to where I was at last. You know, saying when I played back in the days. So I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Well, when you say grateful for the opportunity, I know I talked to Damian Craig last week, and he mentioned, look, I wouldn't be where I am without the mentorship and the guidance of one Ben Harris. And same thing goes for DeMarco McNeil on your staff now, as well as everything that you've applied and learned. I know Coach Harris has reached out and talked to you and has had some inspiration and shared some of what it means to see you be successful at that HBCU process. Oh, yes, yes, no doubt. You know, Coach Harris is a second father to me and like and, and to many uh, others that came up in the Pritchard area and actually the Mobile area. So we, we talk day, I mean, weekly. Me and Coach Harris, we talk weekly. And, um, you know, like I say, he, he he's pouring everything that he has has learned and everything that he's, you know, saying um, over the years that he, he's been coaching and he's just pouring it over into me. So I'm just, you know, a sponge right now just soaking everything in from all the knowledge and everything that he's given me and I'm just running with it. So, Well, at Tuskegee, you guys have gotten a new field, uh, the new turf installed, just some great improvements and enhancements that are going on on the Tuskegee campus. Talk a little bit about that swagger and the ability to bring in better recruits when you have better facilities there. Well, if you knew what we had before this, uh, you'll be amazed. But it, it was way overdue. Um, and it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a great atmosphere down here in the Alumni Bowl. And like I said, the shed is, you got a new top on the, on the shed, new cover, field turf, new locker room, field house and everything, players lounge for the kids. So, I mean, everything is, is on the up and up. It's an upgrade, a tremendous upgrade. So the, the young men are, are loving it. They're loving the space. They're loving the opportunity to, you know, to come in and have somewhere to sit down in a locker, locker room and nice lockers. And um, so, like I said, Coach, I mean, A.D. Ruffin did an amazing job when he uh, came in and made sure that the, um, the facilities was uh, up and running. And Coach James, to become and be named the head coach of your alma mater, Tuskegee, the great pride that goes into that HBCU. Let everybody know how you became the head coach. I mentioned that you were the offensive coordinator a year ago, so you were familiar with this squad and with the surroundings and that on top of that being your alma mater. But how you got to become the head coach at Tuskegee? Well, me and, me and the AD Ruffin, me and Coach Ruffin, 
actually. We um, started working together when I was a student assistant here at Tuskegee back in the days, and then he ended up getting the job at Miles College and um, and had, gave me the opportunity to be the offense coordinator over there. So we worked together over there for nine years before I left and went to Bethune-Cookman. And then when he had the opportunity to get the job here, he reached back out to me and, and just asked me, was I ready to become the head coach and waiting while, you know, he's just going to do this past season and then step down and then, you know, elevate me up to be the head coach. So, like I say, um, I'm blessed for the opportunity, and uh, I, I can't thank him more for giving me this opportunity to lead this program. Well, Coach, again, congratulations for all your season success so far. The Tuskegee Tigers off to that 4-0 and start playing against Alabama A&M this coming Saturday, 2 o'clock p.m. in Huntsville, and then it's off to play in the Morehouse, Morehouse Tuskegee Classic on the 7th of October, and then it's right back into that homecoming. And I know last year my best friend, Gene Smith, who lives in Atlanta, is a graduate of Tuskegee and a former basketball player there. And he said, you know, look, there had to be over fifty or 60,000 people that came to the homecoming game last year at Tuskegee, and it's just a second-to-none environment and it's just great to see you have all that success at your alma mater, and we wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Oh, thank you. Thank you so very much. And, yes, the place will be rocking for homecoming. Eric James, head football coach at Tuskegee, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Coach, thank you so much. Good luck against A&M and moving forward for the rest of the season. Okay, thank you. Thank you all for having me on. Nick, it's always great to see local products, especially those who have learned from the greatness of the Hall of Famer, Ben Harris, who wins five championships in the decade of the 90s and has mentored so many more. I know you've heard Willie Anderson, Stu Meat, talk highly of Coach Harris, but when you get a chance to see people that have learned from Coach Harris and are continuing to succeed and do such positive things, such as a Sherman Williams, such as a Aaron James or DeMarco McNeil, and the list goes on and on to those players, not only that were touched by Ben Harris's ability to relate to them as young men and doing the right thing, but as adults doing the right thing too. It's great to see. That's right, man. I mean, anyone repping Mobile, Baldwin County area, the 251, Shoot, I'll even if you if you're repping the three three four, I even might claim you a little bit. You know, anyone from the local area, you got to give them their props, especially if they're working hard and they are able to get to the peak of what it is they're striving to get to. Well, we do know here in a couple of weeks, Alabama A and M coming to town to take on Jackson State. Looking forward to that Gulf Coast challenge, also, and he has his hands full taking on a swag school in Alabama A&M. But Aaron James, 4-0 and at his alma mater. Congratulations nice. to him. Wanted to give him his props as well. The final drive, we'll be right back. This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll time. 
The final drive on WNSP 105.5 returns, and we want to thank everyone for joining us on this Wednesday. Thank Coach Aaron James, the head football coach at Tuskegee University, off to a 4-0 start. And he mentioned the products out of this area that are doing well in Mobile and Baldwin County. And that's what it's all about when you start seeing players from this area go on to, to do well and to do things across the state of Alabama, no, whether, no matter whether it's at Tuskegee, no matter whether it's at UAB or Alabama or Auburn, we know hashtag 251, and you mentioned it moments ago, you know, Johnny Morris is the running back from Spanish Fort who's making a difference for the Tuskegee team and making a difference in the NBA today was yeah. a blockbuster trade. And it wasn't just a two-way trade. It's a three-team trade that's going to change the face of the NBA and shift the dominance. Vegas already odds are giving the Milwaukee Bucks an opportunity to be odds-on favorites to win the NBA championship. This is the greatest trade in NBA history, Corey. The greatest trade in NBA history. Damian Lillard, the saga is over. Miami, they didn't do anything this offseason because they were just knowing for a fact that Damian Lillard was going to come out there. Psych, now he's teaming up with Giannis in Milwaukee. Milwaukee gives up Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen, basically. And there had to be a third team to make it work. So the Phoenix Suns, they're moving DeAndre Ayton out there to Portland. So Portland is getting Drew Holiday and DeAndre Ayton. Phoenix is coming away with Yusuf Nurkic and Grayson Allen. And Milwaukee's coming out with Damian Lillard. Portland is going to get a pick and a couple pick swaps from Milwaukee. But those are the main pieces. Now all of a sudden, you have probably the best duo in the NBA. Giannis, Defensive Player of the Year, MVP-type level. Now you got Dame Lillard, Scoring Leader, MVP-type level. You still got Brooke Lopez out there. You still got Chris Middleton out there. Now they do have a new coach. Budenholzer did get fired. But, man, like if they can find a way to come up with some sort of Jokic-Murray-type Pick and roll, pick and pop type thing. Now, look, I know Giannis isn't shooting threes, but Giannis can do a lot of things that Jokic can't do from an athletic standpoint. It's going to be really exciting to watch. I'm really happy that it finally happened. And Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that's been waiting. We waited. It wasn't going to happen at the end of last year. Here's a guy at 33 years of age that comes in averaging 32.2 points per game with the Portland Trailblazers. And... I know that scoring 71 points last year against the Houston Rockets and Dame Lillard being an 11-time NBA All-Star, you knew that Portland just wasn't going to go anywhere. It wasn't moving the needle for him. And Giannis flat out said, look, if you don't bring the type of help I need to Milwaukee, y'all might as well let me walk and I'm going to hold out or I'm opting out too. So now Giannis gets the immediate help that he needs. And you look at DeAndre Ayton, who have been talked about for the longest as being the odd man out in yeah. Phoenix and not belonging there. Well, and with Phoenix, you talk about them not having depth. And they ended up getting, you know, there's some players I left out, but they get Nasir Little, who can play some good backup four minutes. 
you have Nurkic, you have Grayson Allen, who we have seen being a dominant role player for Milwaukee over the past few seasons. I think, really, honestly, I think every team basically won that trade. If you're Portland, instead of getting just five random crappy picks and Tyler Hero, a guy you don't even want from Miami, now all of a sudden you've got Drew Holiday, who is expected to be traded within the coming days. They're not going to hold on to him. But now you've got Aiton and Scoot Henderson. There's you a, a nice young core. I mean, and then you got Phoenix. They're getting their depth. And then obviously Milwaukee with Dame. Everybody wins. And now, like, very rarely does a trade happen where you immediately leapfrog to becoming the title favorite. And actually in last year's All-Star game, Giannis had the first pick in that little draft they do. Everyone expected Giannis to take Drew Holiday, who's also available, because, you know, teammates always pick teammates, right? No. Giannis's first pick was Damian Lillard. But I, you didn't expect, I didn't expect Dame Lillard to sit and babysit Scoot Henderson because no. you, you have pretty much the same player. When you draft Scoot Henderson you with the number two overall pick, you, you knew that Lillard was going to say, yeah, that, that, that's, that's my signal to go. Now, what you give up for it as far as draft picks are concerned, to me, though, the, the window of opportunity for Milwaukee, you're not going to have a five-year window for Giannis and Dame Lillard to get things together in the NBA. You're not going to have that window. No, you, don't ha you don't have a five-year window on any NBA team with any NBA player right now. It's always a three-year, two-year window. Yeah, depending on how you draft and, and what's available. Depending on how you draft and what veterans are su surrounded by him. But I'm going to give this a two-year window, Nick. A two-year window. Nah. You win it in year one, okay, mission accomplished. Trade, successful. But making it to the conference finals, it does not make this a successful trade. It, to me, it is two years to win a world championship for the Milwaukee Bucks. I give it four. I'll four double years that. Yep. with Giannis. Mm -hmm. nah, I, I, I think he can get them both to re-up maybe one more time, potentially. I, I just I don't see that being the case. I think that in order for this trade to be successful, it needs to happen within a two-year time span. And do I think well, it's I mean, going to happen what this teams, year? No. What other teams in the NBA have a longer time span than that? Just depends on how they draft. A longer window. I'm depends just saying. Depends on you, how they draft. Is there depends an example? On, depends on how they draft. Like I'd say, the Lakers' window is less than three years. I'd say this Suns team's window is less than three years, even though Bradley Beal's on a four or five year deal. Depends on how you draft and what pieces of the puzzle you want to see, because no one saw Dame Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks. No, you expected right. the Miami Heat to probably pull that trigger. Some people were saying Raptors were getting kind of sneaky and antsy in there, but Milwaukee out of nowhere, and the trade that made the most sense was the one that finally happened. The Celtics, to me, are the team of concern. So how do the Celtics get better? And the window for the Celtics, does it ultimately shift and change? They got to keep Chris Stapps healthy. They got to get some good guard play in there. You lose Marcus Smart. You lose that dog. We'll, we'll see. see what happens. Our number two of the final drive, George Teague. Teague's take coming off a Cowboys loss and a Crimson Tide win. He'll the Sound of Mobile presents for the, win. the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? 
with Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the sound of Mobile App. Classic man joining us here on the final drive is Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, former national champion with the Alabama Crimson Tide, George Teague. Brother Teague, I tell you, it was a tough one for Trayvon Diggs, one of you, what you considered probably the best corner in the NFL, kind of shattering and rocking the Cowboy Nation with that injury and the performance that the Cowboys followed it up with against the Cardinals. You know, that's so sad. I think we had talked about him a while ago. I think he was one of the ones that I had to rank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all myself and all that kind of stuff, saying how good he was. And so it's super detrimental that a boy, Trayvon, you know, has a season-ending injury like that. Um I know things happen, but you just hate to hear it when it's in practice, it's on grass, it's in one-on-one, just kind of get tangled up, you know, from what I'm hearing um, from some of the staff over there. It didn't look that bad. It just it happened. and um, It's pretty detrimental to the team going forward, that's for sure. When you break down Cowboys games and being that analyst that you are for the Dallas Cowboys, there were certain things that you said the Cowboys had to do to beat the Cardinals. And this is the NFL. This isn't just roll it out there and play and you're a 20-point favorite or a 15-point favorite and you automatically win. The Cardinals coming off that embarrassing loss that they had the week prior to were saying, look, even though we have Josh Dobbs, a guy who can't even get his own jersey in their own gift shop, he came out and got his first ever career NFL win. And the Cowboys, to me, it goes back to good Dak, bad Dak. Yeah, so I want to backtrack a little bit because I, you're right. I did have to break down the film and the game a lot. One of the key points that I really made was really about the defense on how to win the game. It's not allowing them to beat us with their legs, meaning uh, James Conner and Joshua Dobbs. Unfortunately, Joshua Dobbs took one for about 40 right out the gate. <laughs> and I think that set a tempo. And I knew that we had to be strong in the middle of our defense. Um, so it might look like they were running outside run, but, you know, with pullers, counters, and things of that nature, those are kind of inside runs that we're still trying to hit B gaps or A gaps inside of the pullers. So, um, obviously, we did a horrible job. The Cowboys did a horrible job. 182 yards rushing in the first half is unacceptable by any means. So, uh, we kind of got smacked in the face. A lot of talk has been about Dak and what that looks like. I think he does deserve some um, critique, you know, negativity. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying about that pass. I think it was kind of an aggressive throw on him when he threw the interception. What I was most disappointed is that I feel like he's playing timid, guys. Um, we've put so much pressure on him about talking about throwing interceptions. I don't think he wants to throw it. If it's in a tight window or something's close, 
I think he's like, nah, I'm not throwing it. <laughs> you know, it might get tipped uh, or something, and I think that's kind of affecting his game. So, yeah, now he only has one interception, but he's not he's not giving the wide receiver a chance to make the play on the ball either. When you do have those explosive wide receivers that are out there, whether it's Tony Pollard coming out of the backfield, C.D. Lamb, Gallup, Ferguson, Dowdle, I, I think that you have to – I'm not going to say target when you start looking at the number of receptions by those guys. None of them were really for explosive plays. And that's what, to me, gets Dak relaxed and in a comfort when he does have those explosive plays. Man, you must have read all my little talking points. I appreciate you <laughs> <laughs> for that because that was another key to the game that we had to win the explosive play thing. We didn't. Look. Keaton Allen just broke a record, <laughs> you know, 18 catches, 207 yards, whatever, all kind of records just shouted it because he's given an opportunity to do that. I'm not saying you need to throw, need to throw the ball to CD that many times, but you got to give the playmakers a chance. He's one of them. Gallup had his nine catches, um, but – you got to keep force feeding these guys. You got Paula. We have the weapons to be able to be successful on offense. You got to give them an opportunity to do that. Just giving the quick ball to the Ferguson, Jake Ferguson on a you know quick out by the tight end or hit somebody in the flat real fast. Man, uh, at some point you got to pull the trigger and just say my guy is better than yours and give him a chance to make a play on the ball. Now, is this all on Dak, or is a lot of that on the new offensive scheme that Dallas is running with Kellen Moore being out of the picture? I think um, some of it is on the the system that McCarthy has put in. Hey, uh, you got 2.5 seconds to throw the ball. You know, scan, look right, take it. If it's there, if it's not, you're going to look back left real fast, hit a check now, you know, something. I don't know. Um, so I think he is being programmed to get rid of the ball faster, um, which is eliminating the, the big plays down the field unless it comes off of a bootleg or something. Um, so I think it's changed his mindset. So I, I'm, I'm putting that on, on Mike McCarthy just saying that I know what he's telling him, and it's, I mean, get this thing out now. Don't be taking the sacks and um, don't hold on the ball too long. One thing that Dak does do, um, if you guys really go back and look at it, he still has a hitch sometimes. Uh, you know, he, he wants to throw it, then he kind of pumps, and then he throws again. You, 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 if you watch it, you'll see it's still happening where he's unsure a little bit. Uh, I think that's him. Um, but the way this system is built, I think we're going to see a lot of quick throws, and it's built for someone like CD to catch a slant and go 60, you know, instead of, letting them run 60 and throw them, throw them ball. Yeah, I agree with you there. George Teague, always our Wednesdays guest, giving us Teague's take, not only on the Dallas Cowboys, but also the Alabama Crimson Tide. And when you look at a reason for concern also for the Cowboys losing this game, 13 penalties for 107 yards. A lot of people were talking about a couple of years ago, the Cowboys being undisciplined, but that's not going to win many football games, whether it's in high school, the NFL, college, doesn't matter. You can't have that many penalties for that amount of yardage. 
No, first of all, I don't know how that happens because it wasn't like that the first two games, right? I don't think you just lose all your discipline in one week. I think there is some anxiousness, um, too much want to to try to do something that guys then became undisciplined. I think they panicked. Like you said, right out the shoot, the quarterback takes a long run on you. I'm, I'm, I think our defense, I mean, we don't see Michael Parsons jumping in the neutral zone that many times, you know, to try to get a sack. I think he was just trying to be over aggressive. The other penalties, you know, pre snap penalties on offense or something, those are unacceptable. So I, I truly believe that those will be uh, cleaned up and uh, and out of the way because um, I, I think once we got behind the eight ball and losing and couldn't find a way to get in front, <laughs> it was just it was bad, not, not good at all. Yeah, it was a situation that was pretty tough, and I, you you know better than I will. We're always going to pull for Jalen Tolbert from right here in Mobile, Alabama, and I, I, you just didn't you didn't see him at all in the stat sheet. I don't don't really know what the question mark about behind that one is. Do you do you have any insight to can give to our listeners as to why we didn't really see Jalen Tolbert be a factor? No, I think um, what. And I don't. I'm going. I'm basing this just based being in Dallas, listening to what's being said, watching a ton of film, okay, and things of this nature. I feel like Mike McCarthy is really just trying to establish an identity for this football team, his identity, and that's going to be run the ball first. You look at all the statistical carries. We're much more of a running team than we have been in the past under Caleb Moore, and I think he's doing that deliberately and saying, no, we're going to be aggressive up front. We're going to run these counters and, uh, you know, gap schemes, doubling up on people, and I think he's trying to do that, even at the expense just to be able to say, hey, if I lose one game right now, you know, we're not moving the ball in the red zone. I need to be able to establish that I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to run the ball everywhere. You know, kind of like how we were saying Alabama should do <laughs> at one point. You know, run the ball, and I think he's trying to establish that. Now he can come back and maybe hopefully get to some of these guys. Brandon Cooks didn't have maybe three catches, maybe two catches, I think. Yeah. Jalen Tolbert not on the stat sheet. He got the other two guys, so it's, you know, I, I'm hoping that it's a, a setup, you know, that the coordinator is planning for a future to be able to say, I need to create this identity so I can put things in off of it um, with the guys that we have. Well, you do have an opportunity as a Cowboys fan to redeem yourself against the New England Patriots, a, a franchise that is kind of floundering a little bit. And if the They're Patriots bad. lose They're this one, bad. they'll be one in three, and the Cowboys will move to three and one. But is it just what the doctor ordered for the Patriots coming to town to take on the Cowboys? You mean in their favor, in Patriots' favor? No, uh, the Cowboys, in the Cowboys, what the doctor ordered for the Cowboys and getting what they need. No, I don't think so. Uh, only because there's one thing they, that they're going to be pretty good at is knowing how to run football, <laughs> which just killed us uh, this past. You know, they, they look similar to Arizona in the sense of, hey, what their strength is. They want to run the ball. Um, uh, now, maybe the 
there could be a debate on who has the better receivers, um, the Cardinals or the Patriots, uh, who has a better quarterback, and our hometown boy, Mike Jones, or Justin Dobbs. But it's scary to me that, you know, these are the things that happened last year where we couldn't stop people from running the ball. And if you think Belichick ain't watched his film and see this give up 200 yards rushing, that he ain't drew up every play to man to figure who's pulling, who's on it, how do we match up, you know, how do we eliminate Micah Parsons uh, from disrupting us um, by running right at him. Um, it's scary to me, honestly. Um, just glad it's at home. I'm glad that Cowboys got their uh, check you know, their reality check to say, okay, we're not the best defense ever anymore. So now it's just going to go play football. Come on, George. You know the New England Patriots don't look good. Look how they barely beat Zach Wilson and the Jets, man. Mac Jones, that's just three and out, three and out, three and out. I think I think your boys are going to be able to win that pretty handily, man. Come on. Am I, yeah. am I right here? Well, I picked I picked the Cowboys to win like 38 to 17 last week because I thought they were going to beat them pretty handedly. Uh, so I'm I'm a little bit hesitant. I see. Uh, do I think they'll win? Uh, absolutely, I do. Um, it's a home game. Jerry Jones has came in to the locker room and said what he needs to say. I'm sure. <laughs> You know, he's pretty straightforward kind of dude, let you know what's up. Uh, and we're still built to, to be a very competitive team. I think it just comes down to – so here's my one talking point without having all of my film breakdown done just yet. But if our rush lanes aren't right, we're running into trouble. If our rush lanes – that's rush as in run fits and pass rushing. Uh, if we have those right, then we win easily. Uh, I think our, that we'll be able to move the ball, I think. McCarthy will have a good enough plan that we can move the ball on their good defense, uh, and we should be able to beat them by, you know, by a touchdown. Well, that's a that that's a look. That's a W. No matter how you look at it, that should be expected for the Cowboys, and it was expected for Alabama to bounce back in the SEC opener against Ole Miss and twenty-four to ten winners. You look at Jalen Milrow throwing that early interception, kind of kind of shaking off the nerves and really settling in and establishing himself in the second half. Alabama's running game, able to pick it up a notch and able to actually get home to Jackson Dart and sack him some five times. Alabama 1-0 and in SEC play. Man, I was so excited. Thank you, Coach Saban and team, for putting that together for the fans. And winning that one, <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how happy I was. Good Lord! Uh, so, um, and in, even in the fashion, it was good to be able to see Jalen Milrow come back out and at least uh, play a game that you know can, I don't know, eliminate some of the haters. He's not perfect still. I still think there's some flaws that he, you know, he has to overcome. But what I saw from Tommy Reese, and I'm going to break at least one play down with both Scarborough tonight on Teague's take, um, that I, I can see where Tommy's trying to go and how he's going to utilize 
uh, Jalen Milrow in other ways in the running game. He did throw in a couple wrinkles, a couple quarterback sweeps, you know, uh, things of that nature. I think he's trying to keep Jalen out of the fray and um, Milro out of the fray and run him outside. But I did catch a couple things where I think he's going to start running him inside. If that happens, that that's that's going to be really good for the team. Well, you do look at Terion Arnold stepping it up a little bit from his corner position and making his presence felt. Teams are going to run away from Kool-Aid. I don't think that that's a, a great offensive strategy to go ahead and attack his side of the field. But after this win, now you try to make it a clean sweep of the state of Mississippi, and you're traveling on the road to so some clanging cowbells over there in Stark, Vegas. And it's going to be Will Rogers that we're going to have to find a way to contain. Don't want him to have a historic type of day. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, I probably never really told everybody how, how annoying it really is to play at Mississippi State and the cowbells. Um, it, it's, it's nerve-wracking. We hear in the high school all the time, you know, when you're out in the country or something, seems like, but, man, to hear it in a, in a college game just makes a whole lot different. But this is, a, this is another really important game for us. We do need to go in and win the game, but I think it's still establishing um, who we can be meaning a physical football team. The defense was lights out. They brought a lot of pressure. Um, secondary played well. We already talked about Michael before. I'm sorry, Malachi um, Moore and the, the, the intensity that he's bringing. Um, it, it, was, it was pleasing to see. Now, if we can get our offensive side to have the same intensity. I've seen a little bit. I've seen some a little bit of pushing and shoving going on with our linemen trying to finish guys to the, to the ground. I think that was promising. Uh, but we still – we got a little bit more to do there. I think that's just going to be attitude um, and will to, you know, to go take this one. I wanted to hey, put a bleak to it, but, you know, make their butts quick, quit, like um, Saban says all the time so that um, – so we can just show some dominance in all phases of the game. That would be that would be awesome to see all three phases because Will Reichert, we know he's the truth at kicker for Alabama, especially when he's at home. But even on the road, Will Reichert is that other secret weapon, and the punting game has been strong all season long. But to me, defensively, George, when you lose that alpha dog like Deontay Lawson, going down and being day-to-day, you do need people like Jihad Campbell to step up from his linebacker position or Dallas Turner who can go ahead and put his fingers in the dirt or he can stand up and rush you to step up. And Tim Keenan, the third, also need to make that difference if Deontay Lawson's not going to be a go. Yeah, I hope he can play and I hope he's okay. Day-to-day is scary because you really don't know but you're right. I think when you have additional leaders, and this is, uh, I'm hoping that guys step up vocally, you know, to um, pull the guys together and say, hey, we, we got this. We, we use a lot of the cliches, next man up, you know, this kind of thing. But do you really mean it? Are you really ready to get in there and be the next man up? Or is it just something that, you, you know, the team in the locker room is saying? No, man, we got to have these guys. Get ready to play. Know that you're Alabama. Everybody's going to want to beat you, you know, and not just 
be it's their their championship, man. When you beat us, and we're we're struggling a little bit. So these guys, the younger guys, the backups, whoever, man, I, I'm I'm calling them, and I, I don't. This is the first year I've actually been texting some players. I'm not even gonna tell you who. Okay, this is my first year ever that I've actually been trying to encourage guys to go come out and say, "Hey, man, you got this. We can do this. We're behind you. We support you." Um, so. Um, I'm I'm hoping that it's being heard, you know, and that uh, that everyone knows that we're all behind this team, uh, and they're going to step up and make it happen. I, I feel that. Do you see any potential, I guess, issue against the Mississippi State matchup next week, or you think this is going to be a good chance for Alabama to potentially get back to their old dominant ways? I think it's a great chance for us to get back to our old dominant ways, honestly. Um, you know, playing on the road is, is, is very hard, but I, what I'm looking forward to is, um, one, again, how does how does Jalen uh, Milrow progress in this game? And can we establish a more uh, offensive um, identity in that? What is that going to look like? What is Tommy Reese, Nick Saban, those guys got up their sleeve with this? How are they going to help him be the most effective passer that he can be? He's got a really big arm, but he's missing short to mid-range passes. You know, what do we do to adjust with that? Defensively, can we continue to do that? Uh, these corners. Uh, well, there's some debate. Who's the best? Number one or number three now? You guys kind of brought it up. I got it. Um, you know, it just, it's uh, – I'm going to be locked in, that's for sure. Um, and, and trying, I won't be at the game, but I'm really interested to see how we continue to respond because this is losing to Texas, gloom and doom. We bounce back, we win. This is the the staple one that actually really tells us who we are. Yeah, I agree with with having that bona fide solid win, dominating in all three phases. And this past week marked a little anniversary for celebrations and desecrating logos and we saw Colorado roll into Oregon and take their cleats and scuff at the Oregon O at center field and knowing that they were doing that and it really got back to Oregon and they wind up handling their business but you've also seen it taken to another level George I know that you protected that star um for the Dallas Cowboys. Now you had a quarterback from New Mexico State decides to urinate on someone's logo on the practice field. Man, I I, I tell you these the desecration what? of the logos, I don't know if you heard about that, man. Yeah, the starting quarterback for New Mexico State yesterday, he it came out that quarterback Diego Pavilla, he was caught peeing on New Mexico Lobos logo. And that was at the practice facility when they were practicing there. So the, the desecration of the logos has been taken to a whole nother level. Oh, my gosh. I'm disgusted, and I need to be able to see this. And those are – so I want to back up. Uh, you two, y'all need to tell me what – why in the world would Colorado do that? You know, I just gave Shador the props of defending the Buffalo, <laughs> you know, at their field and not being happy when somebody was on there. So why would they go to another field 
and do the exact same thing. They lost. I the, mean, they lost their way, George. They got lost in the sauce, man. They needed to be humbled, and I think that Oregon game definitely did that. No, it did. It did. It did. Uh, I think I said that one of my coaches, uh, Joe Avizano, one of the things that he taught me, and I'll never forget it, and it's a, such a simple saying, but he said, hey, man, it only catches up to you when it catches up to you, and you better believe it is going to catch up to you. And it, call, it catches up to people when you do stuff like that, right? You get smacked down. You're holding it now. You think that, you know, um, and Dion's doing a great job, right? The team is doing a great job. His coaching staff is unbelievable what they've been able to do, but there's still a, a, a course you need to take to make this a complete year. Because you got another juggernaut you got to go into this week. And you get smacked down again like that, oh, my gosh. You know, it's a, it's a reality check. Hey, you're good, but you ain't that good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, stop the people logos, man. Just quit. Stop it, man. Damn. Being on the logo. Oh, man. Let's just get rid of all. Let's just get rid of them all. Yeah, all you got uh, to do is Google urinating on logo. And I guarantee it'll pop right up for you. And I know that one thing that you don't play about, just ask Terrell Owens, is is disrespecting anyone's logo and words of advice coming from somebody who made there be repercussions, uh, not only on the scoreboard, but physically as well. And to get more of George Teague's takes, you mentioned coming up with Bo Scarborough and your son as well. How can people get more of George Teague's takes? Man, y'all come on, check us out on YouTube, Teague's Take Podcast. We there. We live on Wednesday night, 8.15. But, uh, you know, if you don't, just download it uh, on your favorite podcast channel. That would be great. Otherwise, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram, at Teague Football. If you're trying to reach out to me personally, go to georgeteague.com. And there'll be more information for you there as well. So, uh, man, you guys know that I love talking to you guys. But y'all bring the fire and the energy uh, every single week. I love doing this. I can't thank you guys enough for this opportunity. Um, So uh, I want to give my gratitude to you once again. George, we can't thank you enough. And that coming from an Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, an Alabama National Champion, and it continues to cover the Dallas Cowboys out there in Texas. We'll see how the Cowboys do against the Patriots and how the Crimson Tide do against those Cowbells and take it on Mississippi State. Look forward to catching you next Wednesday for more of Teague's Takes. All right, man. Talk to you guys soon. George Teague joining us this afternoon on the final drive. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive. And look. You got to come out to the Stables Bar downtown this Saturday to watch the Mississippi State-Alabama game. Now, why should you come out there instead of watching it at home? Well, they got a giant projector screen and multiple TVs. I bet you don't have that at your house. They got crazy good drink specials, $2.50 Miller Lights, $3 Bama Shots, $3 Sweetwater Lagers. Come on now. 
You can win an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault at halftime. You can't do that at home. And even if you just show up, we'll give you a free WNSP t-shirt. How many places Saturday can you go get a free t-shirt? That's all I'm saying. So come out to the Stables Bar downtown. It's off St. Francis Street. They got the big patio area. That's where we're going to be hanging out. So hopefully we can see you there. Earlier in the show, we were talking about Auburn's quarterback struggles and the potential matchup against Georgia and will they get blown out? Is there somehow, some way they can find a new quarterback or maybe switch up their scheme to keep it competitive? Well, Charles Barkley, the most famous Auburn alum, chimed in and he has his own opinions about this Auburn offense. Mr. Cohen decided to go with Coach Freeze, and I told him, I told both of them, hey, I'm all in on Coach Freeze. Now, I will say this. <laughs> if y'all going to be down there baptizing people, please pray for us better quarterback players. <laughs> <laughs> let's, get, let's get these three quarterbacks and baptize them, and maybe the Lord can make them play better because you, you, the one thing you can't do as a coach you can't have your quarterback playing scared. You can't have your quarterback playing scared or looking over his shoulders. You can't play three quarterbacks. You can't play two quarterbacks because the, that's the most important position in sports. But the number one thing you have to have as a player is confidence in yourself to make good plays and bad plays. If you are scared to make bad plays, you can't make good plays. And right now, they are in no man's land. Uh, they, and um, like I say, you got to make a decision and live with it. Is it going to take an act of God, Corey, to get this Auburn offense back on track? I love Charles Barkley, <laughs> man. He, he, he is just – he's a stand-up comedian. Yes, and the way he's able to relate that with the religious – struggles that are going on here in the state of Alabama and the heat that Auburn has been taking in Hugh Freeze for his religious beliefs and his religious stand. Only Charles Barkley would know to go ahead and crack and make a joke out of that as well. Now, are those three quarterbacks being baptized by fire in the SEC? Well, here against the Georgia Bulldogs, the number one ranked team in the country. We'll see if Charles Barkley's words are continued to be spoken louder and louder the truth. Yeah, he says you got to just pick one. They're doing all this two quarterbacks, mix and match. Hugh Freeze. Just pick one. Hugh Freeze, I, I think he agrees. He's going to roll with one here moving forward to where, look, you get to six wins. That's the object for Auburn this season. Become bowl eligible. Extend your season that way. Continue to recruit the way that Hugh Freeze has been doing. Hugh Freeze will be here in Mobile speaking next Monday. Yep. So look forward to hearing what he has to say when he comes down to Moe's Barbecue in downtown Mobile. But Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers have their hands full with Georgia for sure. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. Uh, 
this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. In the NFL, folks, a lot of talk about what's going on with the Jets. And you heard Joe Namath yesterday chime in and bash everybody from the GM to the head coach to the quarterback just fed up. The Jets, do they ultimately go from being America's sweetheart team with one player, Aaron Rodgers, the loss of one player, can it turn your locker room upside down? The loss of one player yeah. on an entire 52-man roster. Now. I mean, yes, because apparently in the Jets' locker room, there's a little turmoil. People are losing trust and faith in Coach Sala because apparently he is such a Zach Wilson apologist. He keeps making excuses for him. He keeps kind of maybe shielding him from criticism and the locker room and the defense that has played well up to this point is getting fed up. And I know you shot me over a clip here. What 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 is this right here? It's a Chiefs player yeah, talking about linebacker the, Willie Gay. All right, let's see what he had to say. When you look on tape, what are you seeing from Zach Wilson in their offense? Damn. That was a hard question. I can't lie. Uh, the team that want to run the ball. When you look on tape, that, <laughs> that I know is that you, not a smack in the face? I mean, I, I'm watching the video so you can see him kind of laugh to himself and kind of look away. That's embarrassing. Like that's just how you know. And look, we talked yesterday. Nathaniel Hackett's not doing uh, Zach Wilson any favors, unfortunately for them. I mean, if you're the Jets, you can't go and trade for Kirk Cousins. You just traded all that stuff for Aaron Rodgers. You can't do that. You can't. I don't know what you do here. You've got to. After week one, I would have said they had the best running back backfield with hey, Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. They look great, even without Rodgers. Colin Kaepernick has asked the Jets, just let me on your practice squad. That is crazy. That's how too. bad it's gotten. When Colin Kaepernick. Letter. Yeah, he says, "I look, I, I just let me on the practice squad to show that I still have it." I mean, he what, feels that he's better than everything that's on the Jets roster. What do you think about that? You think, do you think Kaepernick can still play in the NFL? He hasn't played in so long. We're not even letting Cam Newton back in. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would probably go with Cam Newton before Kaepernick, just because of how recent it has been that Cam Newton has played. Yeah, but wow, I, I just. I don't know, man. You you look at Aaron Rodgers, one guy, and I know that he is a franchise type quarterback. They threw everything in, all eggs it's, in uh, that one basket, and that basket broke, and every egg cracked, man. They're it all broke cracked. in the first series. It didn't even get a chance to finish game one. Yep. And now you're in turmoil as a franchise. So. Looking forward to seeing how the Jets unfold because Aaron Rodgers was very vocal on what the team and how they need to man up and become better. And that's why I'm disappointed that just this one guy, even though he is the quarterback, 
to where the locker room has been splintered and now you're looking at toileting the whole season if you're a New York Jets. Super Bowl or bust in year one? Rodgers. bust. We're at bust. <laughs> and I don't know if it's going to continue to bust or not. The final drive will be right back. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And yeah, if you're even thinking about, as Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick said, get me on the Jets practice roster. I, I, I can make a difference with the Jets franchise. No, I, I think Cam Newton would make a better backup quarterback or starting quarterback for the Jets at this point in time. Is their season done? Will there or are they at the point of no return? That's where that's where we are. That's what we're analyzing within the NFL. And of course, tomorrow night we get started back with NFL action and can't wait to see what's going to happen in the NFL in our next week of play setting those fantasy drafts don't forget to do that detroit and green bay are the two teams that are on deck for tomorrow's night nfl broadcast and on deck with us on the final drive is trent massey and trent massey from future ones trent how's it going this afternoon Man, doing great. How are you guys today? Man, absolutely blessed by the best. Thank you for asking, Trent. And, you know, when you get and you look at the Future One's growth as a company, I know here our fans, our listeners, they love the WNSP Future One's drop-it shirts and T-shirts that you guys have provided to them. And, Look, if people are having a function to where they need 30 or 40 T-shirts or polo shirts for events or as this fall weather gets ready to come in, some long sleeve polos for your bank or your church or any organization that you may have, Future Ones can get you hooked up. Absolutely. We, uh, we're starting to get those calls, too, for some uh, jackets and different things. A lot of coaches are calling for cold weather gear coming up. They're thinking about their teams and gotten some football teams orders for fleece jackets and different things like that. So, yeah, you know, Future Ones has been around since 2017 is when we first went to market. And uh, we've definitely come a long way from there. So it's been a journey and we have uh, a lot of things to offer, mainly in the sports apparel category, but like you said, in the businesses and different, um, you know, commercial apparel as well. We can we can do all kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just apparel. Shoes could be considered apparel. Also, you can customize tennis shoes. I know last week we kind of briefly touched upon what Centerpoint has going on. Coach George Bates with the throwback Chuck Taylors, I know I was in a restaurant on yesterday and saw some old Celtics posters on the wall, and they were sporting those Chuck Taylors that everybody used to love. You guys are able to provide that with team or school-like or organizational print on the shoes also. Yeah, we've uh, already had some coaches reach out to us that saw that on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it these days, and uh They've already reached out to us. We're doing some more right now for some other schools. And, you know, it's just one of those things that we uh, kind of pride ourselves in, just being able to do 
a lot of different things customization wise that uh, not not all the other companies can do and um, we've taken a uh, taken an approach to just be able to serve the customer as much as we can in any category so it's been it's been very helpful for us well to continue to see all the great quality of lines of products that you guys do offer and with the new basketball season rolling around with softball and baseball being right around the corner also you guys provide equipment and behind that equipment people need to know how they can go about searching out future ones how they can find you how they can locate you and place those orders well you know if you're here local in mobile Baldwin county we have an office out in sims on schillinger road 2780 Schillinger Road North. You can also visit us online at futureones.com. That's the word future, the number one, and an S, futureones.com. And that's probably the best way to reach us. If you want to shoot us an email, you can do it sales at futureones.com as well. Trent, can't thank you enough for your time. And, again, reach out to Trent and Future Ones for all your apparel needs, for all your athletic needs, for all your equipment needs, not only for the seasonal sports, but for off-the-season stuff, too. If you have an organization, need things sublimated, screen-printed, Future Ones has you covered and can take care of you without question. Trent, thank you so much, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Corey. Y'all have a great weekend. Do the same. Trent Massey from Future Ones joining us. And in the app, someone says the Jets should just ride it out with Zach Wilson. They'll lose every game with no accusation of tanking. Then they can draft an Aaron Rodgers backup if he comes back from this Achilles injury. I mean, that's where we're at. That's the reality we're in right now. That's what's about to be happening. Um, now, it's just it's a it's a tough pill to swallow because the Jets were so hyped up and exciting and you did put all your eggs in the one Aaron Rodgers basket. It's all taken away. So I guess can a, can the fan base, can the ownership, can the players on that roster, can that coaching staff just immediately rewire and flip their brain to going back to being the old New York Jets instead of this new exciting Super Bowl contending version of themselves? I don't. I think that's easier said than done. I mean, these coaches were ready to win. These players were ready to win. But what are other NFL franchises learning from putting all your eggs into one basket and an older basket at that? We're not talking about trading for a 27, 28, 29-year-old right. quarterback. You could say that the Chiefs put all their eggs in Patrick Mahomes' basket. If, if Mahomes isn't healthy, I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to be the worst team in the league. But at least the Chiefs didn't trade for him. Right. I mean, he's a homegrown Chiefs right. product. Right. You you sold the farm for yeah. Aaron Rodgers. So there's well, a huge and, difference and there. Look at the Denver Broncos. The big package they gave up to bring in Russell Wilson, an older quarterback. And he's not injured, but shoot, he might as well be because he's not doing anything. Hadn't been the same since he's married Sierra. Mm. Hasn't been the same from a production standpoint. And don't know why, but the production don't lie. We'll be right back. Hour number three of the final drive. Jordan Foote joining us. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win. the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh. 
Welcome to hour number three of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LaVounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this Hump Day Wednesday edition. And if you have not downloaded the Sound of Mobile app, what are you waiting for? It's a great way to correspond with us here at the station on any Apple or Android device that you may have. It's a free downloadable app. That Sound of Mobile app allows you not only to correspond with us, but the opening kickoff in the morning times, the Pigskin Pete Show for all your high school updates and scores, wherever you may be, you can get those right here in the Sound of Mobile app. And, of course, the talk of the town and the NFL, even after week number one's loss to the Detroit Lions, has been the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think now the Kansas City Chiefs, and Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift have taken the world by yeah. storm because all the Swifties have jumped on board to the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey. And yeah, you know, Corey, my fiance, she asked me if I knew who Travis Kelsey was. It, it, that's said, where we yes, are now. Yes, I do. That's she exactly said, yeah. where we are as a world. She said, she said I'm happy uh, Taylor Swift put him on the map. Apparently, it's this new TikTok trend where – the girlfriends will drive their significant others crazy by saying that Taylor Swift is the only reason people know who Travis Kelsey is. And then they start going crazy, listing off the stats and how he's the greatest tight end of all time. Top three, at least. So that's it, what it, I It's, it's happening. It's everywhere. It's taking over, just like the Kansas City Chiefs are trying to take over the NFL and be back-to-back -back world champions. Jordan Foote, deputy editor at the Arrowhead Report, joins us this evening on the final drive. Jordan, this Taylor Swift mania. Did, did Taylor Swift put Travis Kelsey on the map? Man, I just want to say thank you guys for putting me on the map. How about that? <laughs> no doubt about it. You're very welcome. And one person that is on the Kansas City Chiefs map is Mobile's own and Pritchard's own Kadarius Tony. And Kadarius Tony, a, a Super Bowl celebrity, a Super Bowl star. But not so fast, my friend. Eight months later, you open up the NFL season. People forgot all of the wonderful things that Kadarius Tony had done and coming back from his meniscus injury, missing the entire preseason. Let our listeners know here in Mobile that Kadarius, I think he's back. I think he's back in terms of the, the thing with Kadarius Tony is it's always a health thing. Like it's never been talent and everyone knows when he's on the field, man, he can do some real damage. The problem has been he hasn't always been on the field. And even last week he was dealing with a sprained toe, only played a couple snaps on offense. He was limited in Wednesday's practice. So he's back. And I think long-term over the course of the year, He's going to be more than okay. He is a very talented player. He can do stuff that other Chiefs wideouts just can't do. Um, but in terms of being all the way back, they're taking it slow with him, and I think that's probably the right way to do it. Yeah, I agree with you there, Jordan. And when you do look at this Kansas City Chiefs franchise, I, everybody thought that it was just falling on its face when they lost in that opening game against the Detroit Lions, and then they – 
Here it is a couple of weeks later. They bounce back and are getting the woeless Chicago Bears and absolutely spanking them and getting things done. And they're also in this process in that first game playing without defensive tackle Chris Jones, who I know has been injured and recently been limited in practice. What can you let us know about the return of Chris Jones and is he healthy? Yeah, so I think it was an example of, or an instance of the Chiefs just, they knew that the Bears game was lopsided early on, and he played 16 snaps, and on one hand, he has those incentives in his contract where if he hits certain benchmarks, gets this amount of sacks, this amount of snaps played, he gets more money. On the flip side, he has to be healthy in order to get those playing time incentives, get those snaps, so... They were blowing out the Bears. He only played 16 reps. Um, he was limited on Wednesday with a groin injury. I think he's going to be fine for Sunday. This won't be the first week where they fully unleash him. I think that's probably still a week or two away. Um, but he came back in that Jacksonville game, played half the snaps, had a sack, looked just like Chris Jones of last year. So he picked up where he left off. Kind of like Tony, when he's on the field, those snaps cut deep, and he's going to make a big impact. It's just a matter of how much the Chiefs want to put him on the field, and I think they've learned at this point they need guys healthy for the playoffs, not just the regular season, so they're pretty smart about taking it a little cautious. Earlier on in the season, Corey and I were debating or maybe discussing is a better word who their go-to running back is in Kansas City. He said, I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I said, that guy didn't even get any minutes anymore. It's Pacheco and McKinnon. Well, now here they are against Chicago. Pacheco and Clyde, they get the same amount of carries. They both get a touchdown. So you think, okay, well, then McKinnon's the odd man out. No, he got three catches and ended up getting two touchdowns. So what's going on with the Chiefs' backfield? The Chiefs are, and Patrick Mahomes brought this up coming into last season, probably the worst offense to have a fantasy team built around. Like, obviously, Mahomes and Kelsey will give you the go-to uh, fantasy reps and, and the, the point output. The running backs are very widespread in terms of the workload. The wide receivers are like that. Pacheco last week was dealing with a little bit of a hamstring thing. So, again, the Chiefs very intentional with – keeping guys fresh if they can. Um, so they ran Clyde Edwards-Alaire quite a bit. There's probably even a little bit of keeping good tape out there for Clyde Edwards-Alaire just in case the team comes calling. Jarek McKinnon, he was going to be, just like last year, the late-season guy that comes on strong, but he's also their third down back. He's also the best pass protector. He's also the best pass catcher. So they have different backs that do different things well. Um, if you're a fantasy player, I would just stay away from all Chiefs running backs, which is sorry to say, but um, the Chiefs are good at giving up the workload and not overworking any guy in that backfield. Well, today you do look at Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay being asked by the media about Zach Wilson and the offense. My man couldn't do anything but pause, <laughs> chuckle, and say, damn. I mean, it's gotten that bad, and if you were the New York Jets – out of every NFL franchise that you have to see in week four, you sure don't want to see the defending Super Bowl champions and have to play them. Yeah, it's the same thing as the Bears last week, right? With all the drama and extracurricular they had inside and outside of the stadium and the locker room and 
the practice field and then the defensive coordinator getting uh, not fired, he resigned, and the Justin Fields stuff. Like, Zach Wilson hasn't publicly come out and said that it's a coaching thing or that he's playing too robotic, but you can watch him play, man. It's bad. He doesn't have any confidence left. He came into the league as this gunslinger that would make bad decisions and he'd force throws into tight windows. Now he just is scared almost out there. Um, it's He's started 24 games already, so he's gotten a longer leash than a lot of young quarterbacks have. This is not a team that you want to get right against because it's also not the Chiefs defense of 2020 or 2021 where they're a little bit light and you're thinking, okay, you can pinpoint different parts of this defense and go after it. Chiefs defense has been top five, top ten so far. So um, it is a very tall task to, I guess, being at home is a plus, but to have Patrick Mahomes come in there and say, okay, Zach, you know, go toe-to-toe with that guy. That is, like you said, the worst possible spot you could be in. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs aren't in the worst possible spot that they could be in because they're moving on here. They don't have to worry about chasing the 72 Dolphins in perfection because that's not going to happen after week one. They just want to continue to remain healthy. And I know that a banged-up Chiefs team is probably better than a 100% healthy Jets franchise. But any predictions for this week's matchup? On NBC, a little Peacock Sunday night football action. How bad will the Chiefs beat the Jets? This was supposed to be game of the year, man. <laughs> it was So this is still like the third or fourth time that we have been shafted out of a Patrick Mahomes-Aaron Rodgers matchup. Like, it's absolutely brutal. And I grew up, Aaron Rodgers is one of my favorite players. And just watching how Mahomes goes about his business reminds me a lot of him on the field getting Zach Wilson on a primetime game, not exactly what America wants. I'm thinking 27-13. I think the Chiefs still win by a couple scores, but the Jets' defense holds them under 30. And, man, it's hard to see the Jets scoring much more than 13 against a decent defense, even with them playing at home. And maybe they get out to a 7 nothing lead, and then they give it up. And it's just hard to see this team with this quarterback going toe-to-toe. If it was Rodgers, you could even pick the Jets to win. It'd be a different story. This is just nowhere near the same team without him. Well, Jordan, we appreciate your Chiefs coverage, and especially here in Mobile, we do have a lot of Chiefs fans because of Kadarius Tony and the fact that now you add Taylor Swift to the mix of the Kansas City Chiefs organization. All eyes and all the Swifties are definitely going to be following Kansas City for the duration of this season for sure. How can everyone follow all of your coverage of the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, so it's uh, Arrowhead Report is the Sports Illustrated channel. It's si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. Um, I'm at footnoted, F-O-O-T-E, noted on Twitter, I guess it's called X now, if that's what we're going to go with. Um, all social media is on there. So appreciate the opportunity to chat and hope you guys will talk soon. Appreciate it. Jordan Foote, Deputy Editor of the Arrowhead Report, joining us this afternoon on the final drive, giving us that Kansas City vibe and not only great barbecue coming out of Kansas City, great football as well as 400% sales increase for Chiefs merchandise and the outfit that he walked out the stadium with 
with Taylor Swift. The jacket sells out. It's on back order. So right now, Taylor Swift is as good as gold, and yeah. we'll see and if you gotta this be is careful. a You got to be careful, Corey, because those Swifties, as big as a fan as they are now of <laughs> Kelsey and the Chiefs, once that on. breakup happens, yeah, they'll oh, turn man. on. It look, look, they'll it's kind of like Beyonce quit, and the man. Beehive folks. They'll, they'll buy play. out the whole stadium in Kansas City and make it an away team. And yeah, just boo Kelsey. That, that, that's the kind of <laughs> kind of situation the Chiefs are dealing with. Even Andy Reid having fun with it, along with Bill Belichick. And coming up next, the head coach of the South Alabama Jaguars basketball program entering his sixth season, Richie Riley, joins us as. College basketball practice is gearing up and has started. We'll talk to Richie Riley next. Hey, everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you this Wednesday afternoon. And I know that it is truly football season, but when football season gets to about week five in high school and week four of college, that does mean that basketball season is upon us. And I know as a basketball high school official, we've been meeting with the coaches and officials about the rule changes that are coming up for this 2023-2024 season. But none better to talk about with the South Alabama men's basketball head coach, Richie Riley, joining him in his sixth year at the head of the Jaguar program. Coach, good afternoon, and welcome to the final drive. Hey, good afternoon, guys. It's always a pleasure to be on. Coach, there's some great things going on in South Alabama, especially from a basketball standpoint. I know coaches don't like to look in the rearview mirror, but you guys made it to a conference championship last year, and it didn't end the way that you would have liked for it to end, but, Coach, this is – this is just the beginning of getting things right the way that you want them for South Alabama, playing for championships and winning championships. Yeah, it was the first time our program's been to the, the Sunbelt Championships since 2008, I think. Uh, so it's been a while. And it was, you know, we had a few years ago when COVID shut us down where I think we would have been there and had a heck of a chance to win it. We can get to finish uh, the season, but Last year's group was great. We played a tough time kind of schedule, got beat up a lot. That carried into league play. We were beat up, just kind of beat down from the travel and, you know, losing some close games. Um, and it carried on to the first part of league play. And a lot of teams would have caved. They would have kind of given in. But we had a really good group of kids, high character, real substance. And um, we played our best basketball at the end at had some huge wins in the conference tournament, beat the number one seed, Southern Miss. Um, then went on to beat James Madison, who's, you know, really good 20-win team, and then four possession away from winning the whole thing against Louisiana. So it was a fun year. It was a fun year. Um, we lost some of those guys, but we feel like we did a nice job of recruiting of, of taking care of some needs. And um, I really like our group. If you don't know, do you play somebody else another 40? But, you know, you um, – we do like what we've seen in the summer and like what we've seen so far early in practice and workouts since we got back to school. Well, one of the great things, too, Coach, is you were able to self-promote 
within your staff. So there's been some shakeups within your staff, and you're only going to be as good as those that you surround yourself with. And I know since you've been the head coach here at South Alabama, you've surrounded yourself with nothing but winners. Talk about the shakeups on your staff. Yeah, we've I've been fortunate. You know, it's a blessing when you can work with really good good people first and foremost, but also really good coaches. And we've we've had some good ones. You know, when you look at the, the lineage of guys that came through here, uh, you got Tyler Parker, he's at Ole Miss now. You got Adam Howard at Nebraska, you got Amaro Morgan who's at California, um, and you got a host of guys that were GAs here. You know, you got you got Tavon Sadler who's a head coach at Nichols State, youngest Division One head coach in the country, um, and then a host of other guys that they're in Division One positions, whether they're assistants or administrative guys. So we've had a, had really good people to coach and mentor our guys. And, and the, this group we have now is is one and the same. You know, a lot of these guys are going to be head coaches, I think, sometime or another, and you know, move on and be Power Five guys and have great careers. I, I promoted Rodney Crawford. Um, Rock's been with us. This will be year three. He's my associate head coach and basically our defensive coordinator. I trust him with everything defensively, and we've had one of the better defenses in the country the last couple of years. Uh, and then Mike Kosich got a promotion, um, one of the extra assistant spots, and also chief of staff. He's been with me the longest for six years, be year six. Um, he's been here since we started South. And then I brought in Riley Conroy, southeastern Louisiana. Uh, his dad's the head coach at the Citadel. Comes from a basketball family. Um, he played at Tulane, and a young coach that's that got an incredible, incredibly bright future. So, I, I love our staff. I, I like them. Adam Sizemore is on our staff now. Fan favorite. I know anybody listening knows who Adam Sizemore is. He's director of player development uh, and doing an incredible job. He, he probably knows me better than anybody playing here for four years. He's paid close attention. Uh, through all the good times and, and all the bad times, too. He's been part of everything we've done. Talk about your roster a little bit. Who do you have coming back? Who's new? And what have you guys been focusing on this off season? we got a good mix of guys coming back and a good mix of new guys. We, we returned two starters, Judah Brown and Turbo Jones, who obviously played meaningful minutes. I think both those guys really improved last year. Um, and they've taken another step. You know, I think I think Judah last year got off to not as great a start as he would like to um, because he needed that game experience. He came from St. Mary's out in California, which is a top 25 program year in, year out. But he hadn't been on the floor a lot. He had, you know, had really good coaching and, you know, all this stuff. But there's a difference in playing in practice a lot and actually being under the lights in a, in a real game. So he got his, his feet wet early, and he was really, really good late. Really good late. He was key to a big key to why we were able to make that run. And then Turbo is, has gotten better. I think I think he's just gotten better every year that he's been here. I think he should have a really good senior year. Out of out of our other returners, um, Elijah Ormiston has gotten much better. I can see him having a valuable role in this team. Um, he's a junior for us. He was here last year. Uh, Julian Margrave is taking another step. He's added about 25 pounds of muscle. He's probably grown to about 6'10 a half. Can, can really shoot it. And then you got the veteran inside, Marshall Keering, who's been with us for a couple of years. This will be his third third and final year here. He's been around the block, played a lot of, played a lot of meaningful minutes. 
And then you look at our new guys, and our new guys is a good mix too. We got seven new guys, three freshmen, and four transfers. Um, we got John Broom from right here in the state, Jacksonville, Alabama, back-to-back state champion, uh, was MVP of the state tournament, uh, just a winning kid. And then you got Ethan Kaiser, who won the Illinois state championship. He was MVP of that. Um, six, seven kid from Metamora, which is right outside of Peoria. Um, they call him Hair Jordan. That's his nickname. He's like Instagram famous. He's got hair down past his shoulders. I think he's going to be a fan favorite, man. Big time athlete can really shoot it. And then you got Marcus Millender, who we call Smurf. Um, he's been called that since he was probably two weeks old, I think. So Smurf Millender, he's a point guard out of Houston. Um, a throwback point guard, really knows how to play, tough, competitive. Uh, I can see him having a pretty big role as a freshman. Uh, he keeps doing what he's doing. And then the four transfers, um, we got two Division two transfers, two Division one transfers. Isaiah Gator from Assumption, a Division two school, same league as Isaiah Moore. They had a four or five battles against each other where they went take for tack when they were both in that league. Um, they really helped us get him because of the success that, that he had. And, you know, they had a relationship already and he watched, he watched, they have an incredible year here last year. So we have him here. We got Sam Tybe, vision two transfer from Seton Hill, strong physical guard, six, four, um, probably two twenty, powerful, strong, score the ball, could be a menace defensively, um, good player. And then our two division one transfers, Maxwell land from St. Francis PA, Average 12 and about five and a half there. Lefty really shoots at 6'5". Big-time athlete, strong. Um, And then we got Thomas Howell, who you follow the Sun Belt. You're familiar with him. He averaged around 10 and 8 at Louisiana Monroe. He's got two years left with us. Uh, I think think he's got a legitimate chance to be an all-league guy. Really like what I've seen out of him so far. Uh, The biggest thing with our team, the difference, is how physical we are. We're much more physical than we were a year ago. We're much more athletic. I think our depth should be better. Um, now the things we're missing are missing one of the best defensive players to ever play college basketball, Kevin Samuel. Um, so it's a safety net that we don't have anymore. That was a luxury to have for a year. And then you're missing, you know, Isaiah Isaiah Moore, who's one of the best scorers in college basketball last year. And, but also a couple other seniors that were good for us, Owen White and Greg Parham. You know, those guys, those guys had really, really, Owen at the end of the year was special. And then, then AP throughout the year um, gave us some good moments. So, but I like how we've replaced the ones that we lost. And um, I really like the makeup of our group from a character standpoint, just the substance that, that they have and um, how they bought into what we want to do here. Richie Riley, head men's basketball coach at South Alabama, joining us this afternoon on the final drive, Coach. And I love the fact that anytime you can dissect your own roster, player for player, that know that lets you know that that player coach relationship is there. Because often I've asked coaches to tell me a little bit about your roster, and there's a lot of us and ums and unnatural pauses talking about their own ball club, and there was no and zero hesitation from you talking about every player that's on your current roster and those that have moved on. So I know it gives the fans of South Alabama a lot to be excited about, and your non-conference schedule is another one. When you look at Buffalo, Alabama, Maryland, 
Jacksonville State, Mercer, all teams that are going to help you prepare for that tough Sunbelt Conference schedule? Yeah, we got another challenging schedule. Um, I don't, on paper, it's not quite as challenging as last year. I think we were like 10th or 11th in the country when it came to non-con scheduling last year. But what made last year so difficult was the fact we didn't play at home for like five weeks, four and a half, five weeks. We were on the road nonstop, and it was tough travel. It, was, it wasn't easy going all the way out to Albuquerque, New Mexico, Norman, Oklahoma, bust um, over to Savannah, played three games, down to Boca Raton, then right back up to Birmingham. Um, the schedule was, was really tough on our guys. And, and, and truthfully, you know, I blame myself, and I apologize to them last year. I think, I think how we played to start the conference season was my fault because – I made that schedule, you know, and it, it wore us down. It really did. Now, did it help us at the end of the year? Maybe, you know, I think it, I think that may have been some of the things that aided us to be as good as we were late, but it, it hurt us there. So we, we tried to have a better mix this year um, while making it really challenging. Maryland's going to be really good. Alabama, I actually know what they do. Um, they're going to be really good. And, and then you got Buffalo, who's a traditional power in the back. Um, we'll have another MAC game that um, that's determined in January by the net, where you're at in the net, where the MAC teams are. It's, so it's one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, wherever everybody is in the net. Jacksonville State always has a really good team. With the NCAA tournament here before last, Coach Harper does a really good job. Um, so our schedule is going to be challenging. Mercer on the road. Coach Gary does a good job. We're hosting the MTE, which I love. I love. We try to do that every other year when we can. And um, I love an opportunity to do it because it gives us three more home games and it gives us three more home games for our fans to be able to come see us play. And that's important to me. You know, it's the only way to, you know, we get out in the community. We're second in the country in community service hours amongst any Division One program um, in men's basketball. And um, we get out in the community, and that's one way to get fans don't want to watch you play, but also you got to you got to be at home and then go out there and play well, so that if you do come to one game, you want to come back and see us play again. That's what we're trying to do. You know, Mobile is really important to me. It's important to our team, and um, we want to make sure that we play here as much as we can, so we can get our fans uh, in the midst to see us play. That's right. Now, Richie, look, I know you're an NBA guy. I know you said that you haven't seen the big news headline from today, but it officially has happened. Damian Lillard has been traded. To the Heat? Is that <laughs> is that your guess? That's my that's my guess because I don't think you would accept anything else. All right. Well, what if, what if I told you he was going to be paired up with Giannis? No way he's going to the Bucks. <laughs> A three-team trade. Let me break it down for you. Damian Lillard goes to the Bucks. Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, and a first-round pick and two pick swaps go to the Blazers. And then the Suns, because they gave up DeAndre Ayton, they're getting Yusuf Nurkic, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, and Grayson Allen. Wow. Is that not <laughs> crazy? Block, hey, yeah. coach, <laughs> hey, listen. I'm shocked. Coach, we wanted to bring you that breaking news right here on the final drive. And you, we know you love the NBA, Coach, but the Bucks 
Are you serious? Giannis said he was out of Milwaukee if you don't bring him help. Help's on the way, big fella. They said, we got you. We got you. Yeah, I kept, I kept my word. I didn't look at it when you when you guys teased me with it before we came on the air. Yeah. And I, I'm shocked. Like, it's wow. You know, you pair those two guys together, you still got Middleton, who's kind of in the back end of his career. Um, and they got other good pieces. And they got I Brooke mean, Lopez out wow. there, too. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a big, that's a big move. Yeah. And who who did you say who did you say the blaze? So the Suns got Nurkic. I like that. Nurkic hey, and Grayson hey, Allen like are that. like the big takeaways, I think, for the Suns. And they, like, they get off like DeAndre that. Ayton. And, and the Blazers in in return, who do they get? Drew Holiday. Drew, who else? Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, and basically three picks. Yeah, they did about as good as they could. Yeah, he was out either way. I mean, yeah. I like Aiton going there. I think Drew Holiday still got some good hoops left in him. And then, are those first round picks, and are they protected? Unprotected. It's a, a twenty twenty nine unprotected first round pick, and then it's two pick swaps. All that coming from Milwaukee. Yeah, they probably still did about as good as they could. Um, I mean, you got DeAndre Aiton. He, he, he was. You put him with Scoot Henderson, yeah. you know? They need Scoot to be really good. They need Scoot to be really good. They they made some crazy deals, though. They signed Jerry and Grant and all that money in the offseason. Yeah, that was yeah. a wild that was a wild move. But um but I, I mean I think they came out pretty pretty clean considering they, this Bucks it's gonna be interesting with the Bucks, um, because Giannis has the ball in his hands a lot. You know, to initiate, and now you got two guys that need it in their hands. But I do think both of their personalities can really coexist because they're both, you know, team dudes and kind of lower ego dudes. And in the NBA, when you got two superstars like that, it probably has to be some some way, shape, or form their personalities got to mesh together. And I, I think they probably will pretty good. I mean, I have to imagine that they're probably watching Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray highlights on a loop, trying to somehow recreate that with Giannis and Dame, right? They're going to get it. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think I think they got the pieces that match, too. I think that helps. I think sometimes in these blockbuster three guys together, sometimes your pieces don't don't fit with those two or you just don't have enough. You know, two guys can't go win you a championship by themselves. I think I think they have the pieces kind of similar to the Nuggets in that way, where where they can, um, you know, obviously showcase those two guys, but you know, surround them with enough to be able to put themselves in a chance to, to get to the championship. It's going to be fun, and, and the good part about it, Coach, is now you have Dame time on the East Coast to where you don't have to stay up till twelve thirty or one o'clock if you're truly wanting to see Dame Little play. A lot of East Coast bias goes on and the the voting for All-Star MVP and stuff. You're going to get a chance to see plenty of Dame Lillard. Well, and how many times has Dame actually been on a legitimate contending team? I know they had that one run in Portland, but everyone knew they weren't going to beat Golden State or even who they would match up in the East. Now, all of a sudden, he's on a legitimate title favorite. No, he is. I mean, to me, he's a guy... He deserves to win a championship. So I, I'm an Orlando Magic fan. I have been since Penny and Shaq back when I was a kid. So I root for the Magic. We're we're a little ways away. So yeah. 
you know, I always try to find somebody that I would like to see win one. That would be cool if Dane could find a way to win one. Well, in, in today's day and age, Coach, they just became the Vegas favorite. Now they're at four to one odds. So that I mean, what does that do now if you're the Celtics? It puts the fear of God into the Boston Celtics, saying, "Well, we had our opportunity last year and we let that slip away." Yeah, it definitely makes it tougher. It makes it makes it tougher when you because again, I, I feel like it's it's about the team and they have a good. I think Milwaukee will mesh well together. Like, I remember when the Nets got Durant, Kyrie, and Harden, and I remember saying there's no way it's going to work. Like, it just wasn't going to work with the personalities, with, you know, the usage rate, all those guys. And, you know, it just it wasn't going to work. With these two, it can work and work at a high level along with the pieces that they have. So I would be very nervous if I'm the Celtics and, you know, some of these guys that have been really close because now you got to beat those guys in a seven-game series, and that's not going to be easy to do. What about the Miami Heat? They didn't really do anything over the offseason, basically playing the waiting game, thinking that Dame was going to force their way there. Now, all of a sudden, Dame's in Milwaukee at a better spot. They didn't make any moves. Kyle Lowry's about 40. Jimmy Butler's pushing 36. Nobody wants to trade for Tyler Hero. Where do the Heat go from here? Yeah, I think I think their their days are, you know, they're still gonna be good. Don't we? Anytime you got Jimmy Butler, you got Bam Adebayo, and then you got the they got a good supporting cast. And I, I do feel like people say culture's overrated. I'm not one of those people. I think they have an incredible culture in Miami, um, which is rare in pro sports, where it is more about the team than individuals. I think at their place, so they always have a chance. But I just NBA is about weapons, man. How many weapons do you have? And I don't know that they have that. Like you said, Kyle Lowry is past his prime and probably a little bit past that. I mean, he's he's just, you know, kind of hanging on. He should be a reserve, and, and they rely on him a little more than that. Um, and then Hero, it, Hero to me feels like he could be a guy that maybe could turn into what we thought he was going to be a few years ago, but I, we all need to see that. Um so I think if you say it's got to be Bucks Celtics right now, yep. with the Heat, you know, kind of trying to flirt around in there and, and get back to what they were doing. Now they do show up in the playoffs, though. So got to give them credit; they show up in the playoffs and they play really well. Um, but it, those the Bucks and Celtics are are a class above when you're talking about the East to me. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. It gives people an extra dose of not having to wait until the all-star deadline or the trade deadline. It got done before the season even started. And the season's getting ready to start for the South Alabama Jaguars as you guys opened up practice and are getting ready to get out a little bit different format. No midnight madness hoopla that used to go around college basketball. But that's okay, too, because you can still be about your business and take care of business and get that preparation and that chemistry together before you guys open up in exhibition play. Coach, I can't thank you enough for always being so hospitable to WNSP and us here on the final drive. Appreciate you very much for working overtime today on WNSP, and we look forward to talking to you again very soon. I always appreciate you guys. It's a pleasure being on. Um, it's, it's always a good time. Appreciate you guys having me, and uh, – Go Jags this weekend at James Madison. Let's, let's bounce back, get us a win. I think we will. And um, come out and watch us play. It'll be here before we know it.
Jay's up, coach. Appreciate you.